Well, good evening, and I greet you in Jesus' name. I have, uh, over the years, I've come by this building a time or two, but this is the first that I've seen the church, and I don't know most of you. I've had the privilege of meeting Brother Kinley about a month ago and serving as as evangelist for us and Brother Daniel as an evangelist about five years ago. And we've been very thankful for their work in our congregation. And so I guess I'd like to repay the debt in one message. <laughs> Tim Martin's my name. Uh, we're I was born and raised in Martinsburg, Pennsylvania. And if there's any dairy, dairy farmers here, you may be acquainted with that area. It's a big dairy area. Um, and um, I've lived out that way all my life. We now live in the Altoona area. Our church is downtown Altoona. And uh, if you've ever gone to Horseshoe Curve, one of the places of interest in the Altoona area, you've gone, you've gone within about a block of our school. Um, so we are pretty much there around, around that area. It's where the families are. And I want to give you a welcome to come visit us sometime. We'd be glad to have you. Uh, so please... Feel free to do that. I've enjoyed the service. Brother Jake, I believe was your name. Thank you uh, for taking us to Revelation. And you've actually uh, sort of opened a subject that I would like to try to look at this evening. I'm going to take the risk uh, of just sort of treating you like my home congregation. And before we even get warmed up or into things very far, I'd like you to help me get some things on the whiteboard. And now it's a little smaller than I'd hoped for, uh, so I might have to modify things just a little bit. I uh, A month or two ago, I... I studied some and I preached a couple couple of messages on under this title, the sources of our temptations, the sources of our temptations. So I'd like to try to um, I'd like to try to look at that big picture uh, for just a little bit here at the outstart, and that's what I want your help with, and then we'll sort of narrow down together and uh, look at a more specific part of of this subject. Obviously, it's a large subject and one that could be divided up into many messages. But as you think about this title, the sources of our temptation, I'd like you to help me uh, and give me some ideas, some thoughts about what those sources might be. So I've hardly introduced the subject, but we're going to introduce it. We're going to work on work on it together. So who will take the liberty first of all? What would be a source of temptation as you think about it, as you've experienced it? All right. Okay. I follow you on that. Anyone else? Okay. We'll just come over here. I'm just going to do, I'm going to say Satan. Sources of our temptation. Ah, his own lust. Is that okay for a heading? Our flesh. Anybody know here anything? Anybody know anything about our flesh here tonight? Of course we do. Very close to us. So let's just spend a, a minute or two on that. 
let's talk about, uh, we'll get to that a little bit. Let's talk about our flesh for a little bit. You, you mentioned something about being too busy. Uh, that might fit. What are some other things we think about this temptation? How would we define it? Well, there's another word we use, or another way we de describe this. We talk about our flesh. We talk about having the sin nature, right? What else? I can't remember which verse you... Well, I'm making it too easy here. Huh? Either side of the house, I'd be okay with that, but... Uh... The term, the old man. Okay, the old man, very well. Which verse did you mention there, brother? Can't. Yeah, what was what what was it again? You did well with it. I was just trying to remember. Own lust and flesh. Own lust. Yes. Okay. Anything else? Sort of fits in this theme. Um, I'm going to just put in our personality. You know, different personalities have different weaknesses. And so, but it's under this thing of our flesh. It's who we are. And so maybe we could throw that in there. Anything else? Pride of life. Sure. It's very fleshy. Pride. Um, as you think about this temptation, our flesh. Anything else? Tongues is not really evil. Sure. Real close to us. I'll just throw another one in here. Our our upbringing. You know, our culture. It's part of our flesh. It's part of what makes us who we are. And it's part of our strength and our weaknesses as well. I think we understand this. This is one that's very close to us. And uh, I'm, I'm going to, because of the, the, the size of our board, I'm going to have to ask us to sort of just pretend that I'm just going to move this column to the left here. So this column is just ready to move over and we'll start thinking of the sources of our temptation. I'll put it up here, just number one, so that we remember that, our flesh. So, what else? Sources of our temptation. World. The world. Thank you. There it is. The world. I think I'll just come over here. The world. Why don't we, why don't we talk about that one for just a little bit? What, what, uh, what's the temptation here? Sure. Somebody your age thinks about that. I understand that. We all should. Economics. Sure. What about economics? Yes, yeah. The possibilities of debt as well. Sure, economics. Part of this world. Okay. Friends of this world. I've got it wrong, don't I? No, I've got it wrong. I'm left-handed, so the penmanship doesn't need to be so very nice. But what else do you think about this? Uh, 
Oh, there's a whole list of things. We know them, don't we? Sure. Oh, I wondered when they'd start coming. What else? Sure. The Broadway, yeah. That's what we're talking about. That's right. It's broad. It's the Broadway. Uh, music. Of course. I don't know. The list can go on. So here is... This is a very... The, the first, the first uh, list that we worked on is one that's just... I mean, it's right here. It's, it's inside the head... It's between the head and the heart. It's, it's, it's these senses. It's really close. And this one is the influencer around us. And it's what, it's what meets us when we go out the door. It's, it's what comes at us in our, in our smartphones and whatever other ways that we uh, embrace technology. It's what we face uh, when we go out on the business place. Um, it's just the overall atmosphere of our world around us. This is a source of temptation for us. It absolutely is. Scripture makes it clear. And it's one that I think we spend a fair amount of time on. And we understand. We understand the world is an enemy of the Christian. It's an enemy of our souls. I'm going to go ahead and take take this list out as well. It's just we just moved it or to the right. Sources of our temptation. Is there another heading you'd want to put out there? Okay. One of the brothers already sort of laid it out. Thinking of a heading, though. Well, Brother Jake took us right there. So, I think I'd like to entitle it. I'll say the powers of Darkness. Powers of darkness. I think this fits because it's it's sins of the spirit. It's uh, this is this this is a whole spiritual world that we just moved into. Our world around us. It's very fleshly. It's very. You can see it. You can touch it. You can handle it. You can smell it. But what we're talking about here is moving into a different realm, isn't it? The powers of darkness. Anyone, anyone want to help me populate this list just a little bit further? Okay. All right. The powers of darkness. Uh, one of the brothers had mentioned Satan, and that's certainly a, that's, that's where it fits. Anything else you want to add to this list? Humanism. Sure. I'd probably include that under the world, but that's that's a that's a that that could fit here because it is a teaching. It's a philosophy. It's all here. I I, I think I I follow you on that. Anything else? Powers of darkness. Immorality. I think there's mainly one piece that I'd like to put onto this yet, and that is uh, demons, uh, the evil spirits. And I think there's a lot of other immorality, and, and there's a whole host of things that we could put that we could we could decide. We could debate where they fit on the board. 
But as I studied this subject, the sources of our temptation, I really only came up with with these three. These three headings. I really don't know where else, what other box I would put up there. Most of the other things that we could talk about would fit into one of these three columns. And I, I really also think um, if I were to uh, I would also probably have them on this board just like they are. If you're thinking about it, we, we move our flesh in that column here and we have the world in that column here. And in the center of it, we have this column, the power of darkness. Those are the three. And so tonight I want to spend our time thinking about the powers of darkness. It's not a subject that I feel like I have some unique grasp on in any way. And I think we do spend a good bit of time on those other two columns. We talk about our flesh. You'll hear it mentioned and, and referenced many times in, a, in, in our sermons as we talk about them, and rightly so. And you'll hear the concern, uh, the burden about how the world is, is coming in and it's pressing in upon us and how it's influencing us and how it's changing us, how it's affecting our culture. And Is this a good thing? We wrestle with those kinds of things, and we should. However, we must understand the, the, the present and very real battle of good and evil across the turf of my own heart. And, and as I studied the, the uh, third source of temptation, I ended up making my own little chart, and that's how I mapped it out. I mapped it out. The powers of darkness was in the center of that chart. And I realize why I put it there. It's because the powers of darkness are central in all that takes place in us. This power is not everywhere present. I don't believe that it is everywhere present. Present. This power has limited knowledge. But this power does have this to their advantage. And that is that we are, by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. And as I've studied that and as I've thought about that, you know, let me finish this thought first. As I've studied that and I thought about it, it helps me to understand how Satan and the, and the demonic powers that do exist are able to accomplish as much as they do. It's because they have so much that's already going in their favor. And we talk about, and the, and the power of that, for instance, we talk about the three the three-fold cord. And think about a cable or a rope that we use. Cables are still used in rigging. and Tremendous weights hung upon them. We just were over to New York City and uh, we stopped and we, we the little park there by the George Washington Bridge and we got out. I've always wanted to just stand there and look at that bridge. I like bridges. And there it is, hanging, hanging by suspension. Now, I don't know all of exactly how that's done. But certainly cables are part of that. But as you look at a cable, and when they make a cable, they braid it and they turn it and it's three cords and they bring that together. And what happens, it's not two and it's not four, but that unique cord of three, as tensions applied on it, it grips together and can, can uh, handle tremendous capacity, tremendous weight. And so here in these three, is a powerful force against us. Against. Against our soul. Against that foothold that God has within each one of us. 
Perhaps before we go any further, I'd like to just do this. If you could help me real quickly. uh, Give me three other headings. Move into the kingdom of Christ and give me three other headings that we could put up against these that we've just identified here. What would you put over here on the heading of our flesh? The spirit. No, no. What would you put over here on the heading of our flesh? The new man. man. Thank you. Uh, I'll put it. It doesn't seem right underneath it, but well, let's go up here. I'll do this now because I probably won't have time at the end of the sermon. Did somebody say the spirit, the Holy Spirit right here, right here? And over here, the church. thank you, the church, this body right here, this body. We could broaden it just a little bit and say the kingdom of Christ. And there's the opposing three. Victorious overall, our brother took us to that as well. The powers of darkness. Every year, once a year, where our meeting house is located is right on the street corner of 4th Avenue and 25th Street, sort of downtown Altoona. And as city streets have become nowadays, they've become pretty quiet. You know, people, if they either they're in their house watching television or on their technology or somehow caught up. But once a year, our little Fourth Avenue street turns into New York City street. And that's Halloween night, October the 31st. Well, we became we became aware of that. Um, one sometimes they rotate it; they don't always have it on the exact same date. Uh, it's a scheduled date, and so on and so forth. So, I think the first time it really stood out to us, we had a Wednesday night service, the night of Halloween, and we realized, wow, <laughs> this is something else around here. And um, we talked about it, and we made a decision that we would like to do something that night as well. And perhaps controversial, but we uh, designated a night of light. And uh, we turn on our exterior lights. We open our front doors. We set up speakers outside. And um, we use the steps going down and out onto the street as an opportunity to stand there and sing. And we have the folks on each corner of the street there and we prepare some things to give uh, to children and adults and this year one of the items was a a magnet goes on a refrigerator had a bible verse on it talked about um, our our slogan outside of our church on our sign is jesus is the light of the world that's on there our website web address is on there for the church Anyway, but it's always intriguing and sometimes horrifying to stand there and to watch that flow and what gets turned on that night. And the man across the street, uh, he sets up his own speakers and we have a little contest, I guess. And his speakers are projecting the dark underworld. And uh, the ghosts and the goblins and, yeah, the demonic voices all wrapped up in music. It's a soundtrack of some kind. And he blasts that. Has the, has the ghosts and the goblins projected up against his house. It's not all just fun and games. It's real. It's real business. It, it is darkness. And it's being embraced 
by normal people in our world that night. And we've been also been impressed by how many people <clears throat> understand what we're doing and say thank you. Thank you for being here and bringing this light. And anyway, it's just impressive. I just was impressed upon me again. This just happened here a couple days ago. And there we were. The powers of darkness. I'd like to just consider this subject uh, for a little bit this evening after this sort of lengthy introduction, if you will. And I have three points. Where? Why? And how will it? Where did the powers of darkness origi originate? And where does it reside today? Why does? Why do these powers exist? And how will it end? Turn with me to... Well, I'm going to have you turn to... Well, let's turn to Colossians, first of all. Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> Verse 16 and 17. For by him, speaking of Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers or all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by all by him, all things consist. And he, Jesus, is the head of the church and so on. This verse is just one of many that helps us to understand that God, Jesus, created all things. All, all things have a beginning created by Christ. All powers, all principalities, all dominions, everything that is physical, spiritual, has been created by God. I believe that. There's nothing outside. There is no entity that stands equal to God. There isn't one who's trying to establish who is going to win from eternity past to eternity future. That's not the case. All powers, all dominions, all principalities created by God. This is an important truth for us to understand. It helps us. It helps us to understand how it is that this new man, how it is that the kingdom of Christ can be victorious, how it is that the Holy Spirit is, an, is a spiritual force of greater power than any spiritual force upon this earth. Turn with me to, chat to Job. I'd like to see, uh, take a quick look at that interaction. Job chapter 38. Verse 4, I'll just, um, well, let's start at verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. Who laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, and he continues on with his question. But we notice here, these verses help us to understand that there were created beings, angels, and spiritual beings who witness the creation of the earth. That has been my belief. Um, and verses like this, uh, I think, give me foundation for that. Sometimes we have these discussions and, and debates. Well, when did Satan arrive? When did he? How did that all happen? When did Satan and a host of the angels that were in allegiance with him 
When were they cast down? And so on. And I don't have the answers to all of that, and I'm not going to probably try to timeline that in the sermon tonight. But what I understand is is that most likely they were created before. Whether it was eternity minutes, <laughs> eternity hours, eternity days, I, I don't know. But they witnessed the creation of the earth. Spirit beings is what this verse seems to be teaching me. Genesis 1, familiar verses to us, said, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so, it seems that well, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so I would, it would seem like there was even some order to that sequence there. And that these spirit be- beings were part of that heaven creation. And then there was the creation of the earth. Where did the powers of darkness originate? And where do they reside today? That's a fair question. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, these familiar verses of Ephesians chapter 2. It's verses that we treasure as Christians. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And those are verses that are very familiar to us. But look here at verse 1 and verse 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Well, we know the, the, the story of Genesis Three, how that the serpent arrived on the scene in Eden and tempted Eve and how that man made their choices. And so we we understand that there was a time and there was a change and, and Satan's energy and interest was drawn to God's creation, the earth. And here these verses help us to understand that. And what's going on today? You walked, he was telling the Ephesian people, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, the prince of the power of the air. And that is is language that's used for Satan and his forces. Satan and the demonic forces. Where does he reside today? It says here, the prince of the power of the air. He is here in this realm. He is here in this uh, atmosphere. He is here close to this earth. And it is the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The spirit that is working in this world, in these three He is working in our flesh. He's working in this world to to direct and to manipulate and to create. um, I don't know if maybe maybe creates the wrong word, but to destroy. And in that destruction to create a very dark world, a very dark world. I have uh, pondered this question. Some, from time to time, I've heard someone, a person say, well, I was tempted. Satan tempted me to do this. And I've pondered that question. And it's one that I don't know quite what to do with. And it's, it's not a statement that I have personally, personally used myself. I don't believe... My understanding is that Satan is not everywhere present. So currently, there's approximately 7 billion souls upon the earth. I'm one of those. And maybe I'll just circle around to say this as well. 
Sometimes I've wondered if that statement is made as a little bit of a mis, a little bit of direction away. It's a little bit of a protection thing. Because I really do believe that what's really the closest to us is our flesh. I really believe that so many times, if we really are honest with our failure, it's our flesh. It's that thing that's just so close to us. But having said that, what I am convinced of is that there is, in fact, a personage and a reality of Satan, and there's a demonic world within which he works. And so there are many. Uh, there are many. Do you know, uh, we, we, come, we come across that in scriptures as well. Legion, for we are many. And the time that Jesus cast those demons out of the man, they entered into that herd of swine. Where did they go? And so there was many. And then the swine all went into the sea. And Revelation talks about this, the, the, that Satan has been cast into the earth and the sea as well. There's, there's an attraction there. I don't understand it all. But there is an attraction to this world and the sea. And that's where Satan has been cast. Where does he reside? Satan today resides in this world, in this atmosphere, in this reality. His demonic forces are here and they are at work. It's a present reality. We need to be convinced of that and to be aware of it, not to be fearful of it, but to understand that when our society is captivated with darkness and skulls and devilish music, it's not just by chance. It's actually a... It's actually a combination of their own flesh and the, 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 the attraction to sin and its debaucheries, along with the multiplication of the world and, and uh, the encouragement they give each other, and then the, the, the powers of darkness at work in that mix to drive that agenda forward. And that's the present reality of this power of darkness. Let's be convinced of it. Number two, sort of tied together real closely, but why? Why does he, Satan, why does the powers of darkness, why do they exist? Well, I already mentioned Genesis 3, but but this says the serpent, being more subtle than any beast of the field with the, which the Lord God hath made, he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And that is the key, I think to Satan's work, to undermine, to cast doubt, to lie about, to put, to bring into question everything that God has created and everything that's good. You could almost sum it up with that. Uh, Peter, 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, and we're familiar with this verse, that he is, Satan is as a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. That is a present work of the enemy of our souls. He is still going about seeking whom he may, may devour. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Why does he exist? Um, my mind went to these verses. We know the account. Jesus after he was baptized, went into the wilderness for 40 days and he was tempted of the devil. And he fasted there 40 days and 40 nights. And when the tempter came to him, verse 3, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Jesus answered him with Scripture, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city, setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and all the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, 
If thou wilt fall down and worship me, then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. You know, Jesus did not scoff Satan. He didn't mock him. And he didn't say when Satan said, oh, look at these kingdoms. I don't know what all Jesus saw from that high mountain. But with them both being very spiritual beings, perhaps Satan just sort of lit up the kingdoms of time. There's a lot of glitter. There's a lot of glamour. There's a lot to be had here. And Satan said, I'll give it all to you if you worship me. And Jesus didn't say, huh, it's not yours to give. Jesus did not say that. In fact, the realities are that Satan seems to have a lot of a lot of room given. A lot of territory given. And Satan was perhaps offering that which he actually could offer. And Jesus said, no. He said, it's written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. And Satan left him. Jesus battled this test with the devil as a very real power. And when Satan offered these kingdoms, Jesus did not mock him. He rejected a legitimate offer. That's what Satan's about yet today. He is still going about seeking whom he may devour. 2 Corinthians 11.14 says this, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Deception. Deceit. That is what Satan's about. That's why he exists. He is still casting doubt. He is still bringing about his deceptions. I was one. To, I was given a book one time entitled "The Beautiful Side of Evil," and I, I read that book. I was in, I was impressed by it. And Satan is still. I believe that Satan does have the power to do good things, to distract, to draw men away to deceive men, to get them caught up with. Anything that turns them away from the simple, profound, life-changing truth of Christ and the new man and obedience to his word, that's what Satan's about. And it's very deceptive. The Bible tells us that in many ways. What? Why does he exist? He is here to destroy all that is good. That's why he exists. All that's good. And so marriage, torn apart, turned upside down to destroy all that's good. Think about the scourge of abortion in this country. Millions upon millions upon millions upon millions. Snuffed out right there and right there. Not very long after conception. A creation of God is what that little life is. And it's snuffed out. That's why he exists. He's opposed to that. He's opposed to... uh, Satan is interested in destroying the innocence of the young. Oh, we we see it in our society. And it started... Well, it's been going for... Since the beginning of, of this whole battle. I'm sure of it. But as you just think about our little experience of life and back a generation or two as the television came out and the programming was used to uh, through the cartoons with the children it wasn't long until dad husband was this bumbling sort of fumbling idiot and mom was the only one who had any common sense and after a while guess what that's who men are and you had the rise of feminism and the turning upside down of most everything that God created, normal, healthy, and good. And so there's no, no surprise then that uh, marriage 
and that institution, that institution, that, that bedrock of society has been destroyed and turned upside down. To destroy all that's good. To destroy everything that brings light and hope and peace. Light and hope and peace. Those words, those realities in people's lives, Satan is opposed to that. His demonic forces are about darkness. They're about the absence of hope. It's about fear and not peace. And that is the testimony of person after person. You see, there is a certain level of 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 conflict and I believe of of uh, demonic influence that we may run into, whether it's through the course of the world or whether it's something that's directed directly at us. There's that level. But then there's steps that a person can take by choice to pursue that. And the, the testimony of those people who pursue a very real power and want to cultivate it and bring it into their lives, those testimonies are always about fear. It's a very fearful thing to do. And yet it's something that can be very captivating. And so, of course, the caution is that we never pursue that, that we never entertain that, that we never cultivate that relationship. But Satan is opposed to everything that brings light and hope and peace. And as Christians, as people who know Christ, as those who have named the name of Christ, those who have said, I choose Christ. I desire this light of truth in me. I desire and I, 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 have, a, I have a hope, <laughs> a real, living, lively, as Peter says it, hope that's within my soul that changes me and, it, and also brings me peace. And I, I, brothers and sisters, we need to pursue Christian lives of peace because it's a, it's a powerful um, wall against Satan, the demonic forces, the world, and all the ways in which they'd like to get in there. Why does he exist? His focus is on the Christian. That's his ultimate prize. The Christian is the ultimate prize of the powers of darkness. Certainly, he can take someone who has already given themselves over to the powers and take them deeper and deeper into sin. And yeah, as you, if you take a, a, just a, a little study of the, the mass shooters and people like that who many, many times they have complicated and deep beliefs that they write about. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. It comes out of a spiritual battle that takes them into darkness and bondages and, um, and worldviews and beliefs that aren't grounded in truth. And so, but his focus, and certainly, so what I'm saying is Satan certainly has, he, he will take people like that and he'll, he'll develop that and pursue that and take them to their destruction. But his, I believe, well, Jesus said it like this in Luke twenty two thirty one, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. And that is still the de desire of Satan. His desire is to, to take one of Christ's own and to flip them into his kingdom, into, into his darkness. What the devil, I'll just state this as, a, it's, it's a sort of a worldview and understanding or belief that I have. What the devil controls has made him drunk. He does, in fact, feel unstoppable and powerful as he turns the hearts of men in mass away from truth. You know, sometimes I wonder, since Satan has the spiritual knowledge that he does have, how does he, I mean, doesn't he know how this is going to end? Well, perhaps he has himself fooled 
And perhaps he's become more and more convinced of that as he has seen how he has manipulated this world and turned it away from God. Well, how will it end? Number three, and we'll bring this to a close. Brother Jake brought up a passage, scriptures, in Luke 10, that I want to just take us to. Luke 10. I actually, uh, as I was studying uh, this for this message, this verse came to mind as one of those verses as you're studying, and it's like, yeah. And I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And so I went to look at the context of this verse and read through it. And I'll have to say for the first time, I understood this verse in a different way for some reason. As I have heard messages and teaching surrounding this, that this was this verse was talking about way back there. Sometime shortly before Eve was tempted is what this verse was talking about, as I understood it. And perhaps it is. There are times, there are, this wouldn't be the first time that a Bible verse is speaking about and can be applied in, in multiple scenarios in the big picture. But as I read it, and as I understood what was happening here, that this was the first time, and Jesus sent out these 70, and he told them to go and to preach and to um, heal the sick in verse 9, and say unto them, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. And wherever they wouldn't receive them to, to shake off the dust and go on their way. And then he says here in verse 17, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And I, I, I do believe this verse is teaching us something that was happening right then. And there was a shift that was happening. There was a change that was taking place. And that change was the introduction of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming into his ministry and into his fullness. And, and as God as that was beginning to rise up, as this kingdom of God is coming nigh. It hadn't been brought to fruition completely yet because Jesus had not yet died. But that battle was won. And there it was. There was this great change. How will it end? It gives me courage because it helps us to understand the state that we're in right now. Because Jesus is on the throne and his kingdom is alive and it has. Satan. I know there's a lot of different persuasions of revelation and the binding of Satan and so on, but I'm willing to connect. And that's where I believe that I'm at. I'm willing to connect those two and this understanding that there was a change that was brought about in this battle. In this warfare, certainly the battle is still here. And, and this idea that Satan is somehow bound and is no way able to influence. I don't believe that's what this is being taught. But you think about it. Perhaps you can help me to understand it better. How much damage? Let me ask it to you this way. How much damage do we do to Satan when we go out in the power of Christ? How much damage do we do to his kingdom? When we stand up. And we're heard. We stand up in obedience, in Bible obedience. We stand when we when we go forward in in joy and peace and holiness of life. It's a powerful force. It's changing. The Ephesians six twelve says it this way: For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be, may be able to withstand in the evil day, and have done in, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. And so we understand that we are in a present spiritual battle, and and yet we have the tools the power to stand against.
How will it end? John 12, turn with me there. Twenty-nine through thirty-two. There was a voice that came from heaven, saying, "I saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again." Speaking about his name, and the people therefore that stood by heard it said that it thundered. Another said an angel spoke to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Again, I believe we are seeing this shift and this change. And we're in this period of time. We're in this period of time where the work of Christ and him being lifted up has brought a, a, a change in the spiritual makeup, the spiritual battle. And so we continue on. How will it end? Well, our brother already took us there to Revelation chapter 20. How will it end? I'll just read one or two verses there again. Chapter 20 and verse 3 talks about him being bound. And then finally in verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beasts and the false prophets are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Forever and ever. There is going to be a final judgment. And this real, tangible, spiritual force will be destroyed. It'll be cast into this lake of fire and brimstone. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire pre prepared for the devil and his angels. Now the focus was about those who were on the left, but... They're going to that place that's been prepared for the devil and his angels. And that's how it will end. James says this. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist and he will flee. That, that verse tells me that we can overcome but it tells me that there's a battle. It tells me that there's a possibility that we will face that spiritual power. I already mentioned Ephesians 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. We walk out of this place not fearful, but we walk out of here, yes, humble, Recognizing our great need of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. But we walk out of here standing up to face a spiritual battle over which we can and will be victorious by the power of God. Romans 8, two or three verses there. And... I'll just read them to you, Romans chapter 8 and this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ is the question of number, th number 35. Nay, over all the things we're going to face, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ, which from the love of God, which is in 
Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, as God's children, as the disciples of Christ, as those who are committed to his kingdom and to his cause, his victorious cause, we have a lot of confidence tonight. May God help us. May God help us to just be a little bit more aware of the spiritual realities and battles that are going on around us, but to walk forward with confidence. Let's kneel for prayer.